which is like a very boring custard. This is going to be great. Bye. Blow up the planet if you must. I probably should not announce my scams on podcast. Welcome to the Palm Court, a Mr. Selfridge podcast. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Tom Schneider. Let's go shopping! <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, we shall. <laughs> uh, well, that's a very sober response to a very excitable question. Or demand. Imperative. Yeah, I think it's imperative, right? Um, yeah. Sure. Yeah, let us go shopping. I'm so glad I went to school. <laughs> It's really paying off. Yeah, it really comes in handy. Yep. Hi, everyone. Hello. It's now time for our recap <laughs> of Mr. Selfridge, season four. four. Yeah. Episode two. Yes. I know it's episode two. Yeah, that one you knew. Yeah, which I think is the last one that we watched before As we decided it turns that out, we yeah. hated this show again. We said last time, I think, that we thought we'd seen four or five episodes, but that was a lie. It was a lie because in the next on, we were like, we have no idea. Yeah. Maybe we just had downloaded four or five episodes. Yeah, that seems to be... And then we didn't watch all of them. Right. Well, I'm sure this has been fascinating (laughs) for all of you to hear. Uh, Well, this is just a little, you know, uh, intro, so now you can listen to this podcast and see if you can figure out why we stopped watching after these two episodes. Yeah. I mean, I think I was drunk. (laughs) That's what I think. Yeah. I think that was part of it. I agree. (laughs) Because I said it first. Well, right. Um, Yeah. We have no Ellen Love letters this week. Correct. Uh, because I didn't check. Yeah. And we're also, just in case it ever becomes clear that we're recording a few in advance before we start posting them. <sighs> we were going to make a whole scavenger hunt out of it, Tom, and oh, now you ruined it. We were? No, we weren't. We really need to get, we, we really need to have more like board meetings on this sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. What are we talking about? Um, uh, that one show in Australia, Miss Fisher's <laughs> Mysteries or whatever? <laughs> All right, so there's this Australian bird. <laughs> the thorn birds? She's a lady? Hmm? Oh, no, no, they're priests. That's in, like, Rome or something, right? No, that's Australia. What? Yeah, there's it's Australia, there's priests. I think there's incest involved. I don't know, a friend of mine in college liked it and would tell me about it. I am making a face. Yeah, yes. Was it your friend Julia? Yes, it was. I knew it. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> okay, so, Mr. Selfridge, Series 4, Episode 2. Right. What's eyeliner got for us this time, Tom? Oh, he's got a doozy. <laughs> so. Hey, remember, remember how Mary <laughs> Selfridge fell off that thing? And, and he, he was waved, waved his, his arms, arms and legs. legs. And I'm pretty sure somebody did make us a gif of that. <laughs> yes. Plus the tumbling down the stairs car. Mm-hmm. And God, I'm going to go back. I'm going to find it. <laughs> oh, I'm going to find it. Because right. that, that is gif gold. That is. Mm-hmm. It was really well done. Uh, people falling finger. will never not be funny that's true i know sometimes it is very sad <laughs> as well like for example would i laugh at somebody falling out of one of the towers uh on september 11th then no <laughs> now i'm uh, not gonna think, admit to anything in public yeah i think we better still go with no <laughs> fine for, no for the official record uh never forget yeah, that's much sadder. Well, because that wasn't their fault. Right. This was just him not looking where he was stepping. Right. If it was somebody that was just walking around in their office in the World Trade Center on a normal day yeah. and then tripped and fell through a window. <laughs> <laughs> See? <laughs> so funny. <laughs> no, but this is just Harry Harry Selfridge literally overstepping his own hubris. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is just his arms. <laughs> just flapping in the wind. 
so you got to think they're coming back with something ridiculous, and they are. Oh, are they? Yeah. So it's in, like, this graveyard, and there's this, you know, minister or whatever walking away from the graveyard, and Harry's there. alone, by the way. Yeah. So, I mean, right away, you got to know something's off. Like, there's going to be a million people at Harry Selfridge's funeral. Yeah, for sure. Also, his corpse won't be shambling around. (laughs) Right. One would hope. I, you know, I've tried to avoid spoilers about Harry Selfridge's life, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> had he gotten up at his own funeral and started wandering around and going, I'm alive! <laughs> he kept saying, I'm alive! And I was like, no, you're not! <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> Quit saying you're alive. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so they do the whole Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come thing where it's his gravestone there. And then, like, uh, then there's, you know, shots of a nurse, like, bringing out towels to lave his weary head and <laughs> did you say lave 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 yeah it's a old poetic way of saying bathe ew yeah sorry gross it sounds it sounds like no one consented to that <laughs> may i lave you um, ew no god police <laughs> etymological assault <laughs> yeah and then so harry says uh in the real world i'm alive and uh credits the theme song I predicted, like, as soon as he was wandering around the graveyard, I was like, the theme song is going to be really incongruous after this. And it was. It definitely was. Because he's like, oh, and because it's this very, like, ethereal, and everything's all bathed in white, and then it's like, (laughs) and, you know, if I wasn't such a lazy person, right? I'm a very lazy person, Granted, as the lateness (laughs) of this Mr. Selfridge podcast may indicate. Yeah. Is that a new, like, shot of Harry Selfridge checking his watch at the end of the credits? Because he looks terrible. Mm, and I feel like he used to look better. I don't think I was paying attention this time around. I don't know if around, it's the mercury poisoning. But I, I think we can all agree that everything is the mercury poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we cut to uh, the Selfridge estate. Selfridge by the sea. By the sea, Mr. Selfridge will have some sales, and then Lady May will come in, and she'll hire people. It's <laughs> the best I can do on short notice. No, that's, that's all right. Thanks. And, uh, yeah. Apologies to Mr. Sondheim <laughs> and Mr. Prince, even though he's a dick. <laughs> so Harry is playing cards with Ma and that girl he's related Tatiana to. Tatiana is her name. Tatiana. Yeah. Great. Remember Princess Wizwaz? <laughs> I miss her. I know you do. Like, I don't, but I do. Yeah, I mean... Oh, what a crazy world we lived in in season three. <laughs> Remember how she kept charging things to Harry Selfridge? <laughs> yeah. And everybody was like, well, I guess we'll just let her. Yeah. There's like, there's, no, I don't see a problem here. <laughs> no, they saw a problem. <laughs> they just didn't see a solution. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Harry folds and Ma is troubled and sends Tatiana away. Uh, Ma's always troubled, <laughs> and she's always sending Tatiana away. Like, she's like, go to bed, go away. <laughs> Harry, you never fold. That's why you lose all our money. <laughs> well, you don't need to know that. <laughs> uh, but she tells him he will get better, and he has another chance to, like... Uh, Not be a complete douche bucket. <laughs> right. I don't know why I completely... I have several douche-related slurs that I use. Yeah. And douche bucket is not you any were, of them. Well, you were paralyzed by choice. I was paralyzed by choice. Just like Sylvia Plath <laughs> and America's women. <laughs> uh, so we cut to Nunu Gordon, 
who's uh, heading out to drive to work, and he is accosted by a newspaper man. And he's just says something along the lines of, oh, uh, the place is in good hands. I'm managing director. Everything's fine. Would you like to do a story on my mustache? <laughs> I really feel it hasn't been getting the publicity it deserved. <laughs> I'd like to take out a full page ad. Well, you see, your uh, publicity man also has a mustache. So you can see when we get very confused. <laughs> we have mustache blindness, in fact. <laughs> Ever since the times of Victoria, it's been considered improper to report on mustaches in the newspaper. So we see May meeting with Crab and Grove, and she's got, like, this ambitious hiring plan that she wants, and they're all like, uh, that, like, this person's so expensive, and she says, he's French. It's like, for God's sake, you know, you're not even French yourself, Lady May. Uh, her name is Madame Renard, or Renald, or whatever her last name is. <laughs> I believe it's Renard. Oh, right, because La Reynard. Right. The yes, fox. That's right. Um, which is either a delightful Wayne's World reference or a horrifying reference to the Magician series. Oh, God. Yeah. I can't keep going with this podcast. <laughs> podcast over. Julia, <laughs> what have they done to you? So, uh, back in the non-magical world, May decides that she will- Oh, it's plenty magical. <laughs> it's-, it's got the Dolly sister. <laughs> Never God. mind. Yeah. You're right. It is cursed. Who would you rather hang out with? Reynard from the Magician series or the Dolly Sisters? Uh, I mean, you have to go with the Dolly Sisters. Yeah. You know what? I was going to try to be contrarian about no, and, it, and, you know, but... Like, you know, yeah. yes, Reynard is smarter, uh, and his voice is probably less annoying. <laughs> <laughs> but the rest of it, probably not worth yeah, it. Yeah, probably not so great. Uh, if you want to know what we're talking about, read the Magician's books... Don't watch the show. No. Whatever you do, don't watch it. Please don't. Don't watch it. We 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 entreat you. <laughs> so yeah, Crab and Grove grudgingly approve May's plan to design all the clothes herself, thus saving them money. Uh, and May insists that she have... Uh, Carte blanche. Yes, on hiring uh, within the budget. Which I always get confused with blank mange. <laughs> Which is like a very boring custard that they made a lot in Little Women. <laughs> that Meg made because she's so basic. Yeah, I, I believe it. Meg is so basic. Uh, Grove is very tired and, uh, yeah, Ma- Meryl started working, which I guess Grove is happy with now. I don't know. Who cares what he thinks? Yeah. Uh, Meryl down on the shop floor keeps asking to do things, and Connie keeps telling her she needs training. But then refusing to train her. Right. So... Yeah. Well, I've never thought that much of Connie. True. Uh, But somebody we have thought much of is the Artful Porter. The Artful Porter is back! That's right. She has arrived. She greets Connie. She's going to be heading up the sewing department or uh head machinist i think uh, yeah that's right or just sewing some she's doing something with sewing yes clothes she's making them (laughs) i don't know right we'll fix it in post (laughs) (laughs) so yeah we see may settling in down in the sewing room and starting to draw and all the sewers are like what's this all about what's she doing anyway well and i was like why do they already have this whole team of sewers what are they sewing if you don't have any designs yet i mean they might be didn't they say they had ready to wear already for um well that's true and secretary (laughs) the hordes of usherettes (laughs) that this period required in london (laughs) 
darling. Anyone who's anyone has their own usherette. May I show you to your seat? Oh, no, we brought our own usherette. Ta-ta. But she doesn't know where your seat is. Oh, she'll do perfectly fine, thank you. Haven't you heard about women's rights? Of course, usheress have no rights, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> they relinquish them when they buy them ready-to-wear uniforms. <laughs> the right to vote shall be specifically excluded from all those who wear ready-to-wear clothing. <laughs> Good show, Nigel. <laughs> Capital notion. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so back at Selfridge by the Sea... <laughs> <laughs> Harry greets Nunu Gordon and Fake Doris, as well as Rosalie and, like, the other one was maybe... Is there another one? Well, both. I feel like both of the Toynton sisters were in this scene, but I can never tell them apart. Violet? So, yeah. Violet shows up because Beatrice apparently died. Right. Oh, when will our darkness <laughs> return? Gosh. Oh, she doesn't... She didn't die. She merely sleeps. <laughs> 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 terrifying oh that reminds me it's october i need to watch rosemary's baby as is my want uh enjoy i will <laughs> uh so and i have to make it a point with dr saperstein <laughs> so things are uh reasonably cordial until rosalie and or violette uh, drops the newspaper on the table and is like, check this shit out. It was Violette who did that. Okay. Rosalie can't do anything, Tom. Like, she can't move. <laughs> she can't speak. Like, all she does is sort of push her lips together and seem vaguely concerned. Right. That's how you can tell them apart. Yeah. Has she taken an action? <laughs> it's Violette. Good to know. Also, is that child around? Right. Although in this case, it's a little confusing. Yeah. I think, was she there? I think so. I think she was running around. There may have been a dog. I mean, They've got some like big wide shots of Selfridge by the Sea. Yeah, to make sure they got their money's worth out of the castle they rented. <laughs> right. But apparently only the exterior. Yeah, they do not appear to be allowed inside that no. castle. <laughs> Which I sort of like as a whole scam. Like, uh, just like showing up in fancy clothes, hanging out on the grounds of a fancy castle, inviting people over. Like, oh, yes. <laughs> You'd probably pull off that scam in the bay. <laughs> yeah. Probably could. You'd have to do some recon, but uh, I have faith in you. Yeah, well, thank you. You're welcome. I probably should not announce my scams on <laughs> podcasts that I post to the internet. Hey, good news. Not that many people listen, <laughs> and most of them don't live here. That's true. So, yeah, the article says things like uh, Nunu Gordon is mad with power and is wresting things from Harry and Harry's going to take a step back and, and like still not word one about the mustache <laughs> after all that work he put into growing it keeping it against the advice of all comers despite his yes despite his mustache young Mr. Gordon <laughs> not even that Mm-mm. not even that not even a reprimand <laughs> fake Doris is fine with it I guess yeah so Harry gets real put out and, uh, it's, you know, this idea that he's taking a step back is like, I won't, I'm not taking a step back. We're like, that's, that's good because taking a step back is what got you here. Listen, this is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Sorry. I just had the thought, did World War One happen already? How is Nunu Gordon still alive? <laughs> but then I remembered that yes. Yes. And he wasn't able to fight in the war. Right. But he'll probably die in World War II. (laughs) 
That's the spirit. Uh, it's British serialized television. <laughs> it exists to talk about how people died during World War II. Yeah. Either World War is acceptable, but... Yeah, that's true. But mainly World War II because they got bombed during that one. That's true. They got bombed a little in World War I, but not much. Barely. Yeah. <laughs> Pathetic. <laughs> uh, so Harry is so angry that he's going back to the store. Uh, he arrives there and kind of glares at it as he's sitting in the car. It's sort of weird. He's like, oh, you lousy store. <laughs> like, you could just stop. <laughs> you could, any t- You could. Like, his, like, there's there's a reality, and then there's Harry Selfridge's reality. Yeah. He is not a man acquainted with the real world, mm-hmm. uh, which is sad. Yeah. But I guess that's part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I yeah. wrote down family should be against the law, and I didn't work it in. I'm just saying family should be against the law. I think that's fair. Thanks. Yeah. Bring on the giver. Bring on the giver. <laughs> you always say that. I do always say that. They have climate control. Uh, people have food. And there's no such thing as love. <laughs> you know, now that you mention it. Right? <laughs> there's no color either. Uh, yeah, he tells some reporter that he uh, is not stepping back. He plans to go on and on and on. He's like, you remember how long Downton Abbey went on? That's how long I'll be going on. <laughs> Good one, Tom. Thank you. If you like this podcast, and for some reason you found it without finding our first podcast, Appears Downstairs, listen to that one, too. It's yeah. about Downton Abbey. Yeah. Also, let us know how that happened, because that's, that seems weird yeah, to like, us. Why would you watch this and not anyway? Yeah. Your choices are valid and good. <laughs> yes. We see uh, a young black woman getting dressed in her room. Nice product placement, Singer. Because see, you see a Singer sewing machine. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, this uh, episode... Oh, we haven't gotten there yet. But this episode alone already has uh, is going to have more named black people yes. than the entirety of Downton Abbey. Yeah. Yeah. We- so, uh, your move, Baron Fellows. <laughs> I think I'll make a Downton Abbey movie with no black people in it. Will that work? <laughs> It's really not what we asked. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess Maggie Smith is coming back. Man, they must have driven a whole dump truck full of money up to her door. Yeah. Well, because or her just objection like, was logistical. She's like, how is she still alive? Yeah. Well, and I just feel like they keep wasting the opportunity to kill that character. Yeah. I mean, Maybe I know that's... everybody's upset about like, oh, what about the Bon Mots? Yeah. Well, maybe they brought her. Maybe that's how they got her back by promising that she'd die in it. I recently discovered that there's an entire line of Downton Abbey uh, bed linens oh. uh, and throw pillows and such. Because sure. I know I want a throw pillow that says things from Downton Abbey. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> but, uh, I know you mean that it has it like sewn on or whatever. But I like the idea that it's like when you put your head on it, it's just like some <laughs> random. What is a weekend? <laughs> <laughs> I would be way more interested in that. <laughs> God, God. <laughs> yeah, especially if it was things that we picked out and not that the yeah, show picked I agree. out. Bring fruit, bring cheese, anything to take this taste away. <laughs> I was thinking about if we ever did any episodes of a podcast where it was like, oh, we're trying out a show. Like, if it was bad, we would say that. Anyway, <laughs> that was maybe an inside thought. <laughs> that, that maybe it was. 
That was a thought that didn't need to be put out in front of the public. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Harry greets May, and uh, he wants those floozies to model her upcoming fashion line. And Lady May is like, what if they didn't? And Harry's like, too late! <laughs> yeah. He's like, this is going to be great. Bye! <laughs> That's every meeting with Harry <laughs> Yeah. Are you sure we should? Yes. Every single person who knows Mr. Selfridge is in an abusive relationship with him. Like, nobody, nobody can do anything. Yeah. He just keeps imposing his will on everyone, and everybody else is like, well, despite his erraticism, he still has all this money, so I <laughs> guess we'll hang out. Yeah. I like money. Uh, so we see the previously seen black woman getting off a bus. And like in a weird way where I'm like, has she never ridden a bus before? Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit oddly staged. Yeah. Um, so she goes in the front door and is redirected to the servant's entrance by Meryl. Mm-hmm. Uh, Meryl. I keep forgetting her name is Meryl. Yeah. Meryl then goes Meryl. on to advise a potential customer that Meryl. she, to advise a potential customer that she is both old and fat. <laughs> Man, she's saying what we're all thinking. <laughs> Actually, that lady was not that she, old, nor was she fat. Right. So. Yeah. So, I mean, that right there. Yeah. And also, again, you know, I've never worked a shop floor myself, but I assume at some point in the training that she didn't get, it would have said, don't call the customers old or fat. Uh, Yeah. Well, and, you know, when Connie you know, reprimands her. She's like, what am I supposed to teach you? Common sense. (laughs) And I'm like, have you met your husband? Like people don't have common sense when they come in, but they're geniuses when they go out. (laughs) That's right. So like, you know, Meryl is going to run this department in two years. Like George still working there. Does he manage the loading dock or something now? He, I, what is he a bus or something? He was. And then like the commies got involved. I don't know. He hasn't, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, because he left after the war to go help Fat Thomas not do anything useful. Right. Uh, so he may still be doing that, and we're just not seeing him do that, or he may still be at the store. And no, we're just he's not at seeing the store him. because he was there that day in the first episode. Yeah, but it just seemed like like maybe he was just walking with uh, Connie. No, I don't know. No, he's there and he heads a department. Okay. I don't know what department it is. Well, it's presumably- Will we find out in the next episode? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Viewers across the nation eagerly await the resolution of this latest Selfridge mystery. <laughs> They're like, is that show still on? <laughs> oh, that- yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> That's what everybody says when I tell them that we're podcasting about Mr. Selfridge. You're yeah. like, oh, yeah, I think I heard about that. <laughs> yeah. And yet it had four seasons. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And yet Clone High only had one. <laughs> Not even really one. Well, maybe they shouldn't have made so much fun of Gandhi. <laughs> you know, it's easy to see that in retrospect. <laughs> <laughs> no, because like, I thought, I don't know what I thought when I went back and was like, why did Clone High get canceled again? And like, everyone in India was just so angry. Yeah. And like, I was like, oh yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. I don't agree with it because right. I think you should be able to make fun of anything. Right. But, uh, you know, there were people who were alive when Gandhi was alive. <laughs> Who yeah. are still alive now. So yeah. uh anyway. He did free India. <laughs> That's right. Uh returning to this show that some of you may have heard of, <laughs> Mr. Selfridge. <laughs> <laughs> we see Harry talking uh to Wednesday Adams at the uh the crap club, 
and uh, he's still got that Sergei story that he's holding on to. Uh, but Harry says, no, I'm going to need five full-page ads and all your papers and uh, editorial approval. So that's approval. how you kill a story, yeah. kids. Yeah. In case you're wondering. Five full-page ads. Yeah. Uh, and he says that uh, Wednesday Adams won't be able to write him off again, uh, which... I think Harry has this weird, like, persecution complex, and it's like nobody's, like... You gotta quit taking every whiff of criticism as yeah. personal. Like, as far as I can tell, what happened is, the first few months you were in England, a few people didn't invite you to parties, and everything since then has been great. Like, But you have this weird yeah. thing going on. No, and he's like, yeah, they ran a story about you being an idiot who maybe <laughs> shouldn't run a giant retail empire because you stepped off of a thing right. that you built. right. It's like you just suffered a severe head injury, and before you had that head injury, you walked off a platform. Like So – and before that, you almost married a homely architect who was in fact a con artist. That's true. And before that, you dated that cokehead and all those other cokeheads. Like <laughs> either start exercising better judgment or stop getting mad when people question your judgment. No. All right. Yeah. Well – I think I know how the next eight episodes are going to go. <laughs> As we learn the black woman's name, it is Matilda Bro- uh, Brockless. Uh, she is in line and getting some stares uh-huh. and uh, reaches the head and is there to be interviewed by Grove and Lady May. Uh, she has some uh, references for her past jobs, but she doesn't have any character references, so... I don't know exactly how that would be work at this time well, and place. She thought she says that she thought she only had to bring proof of current employment, which mm-hmm. she has. Right. Um, and then he's like character references, and she, I'm like, are, "Are you a ghost that no <laughs> one can see? Like, I don't understand how nobody knows you. I mean, maybe we'll find out whatever her dark past right, is. Right. But yeah. There's seems like something to be filled in there. Yeah, because she's like she's got a very different energy than everybody else on the show. Yeah, for sure. She's just very reserved mm-hmm. and like doesn't seem to care yeah. about what people think of her, uh, which is refreshing on this show. Yeah. Because uh, the only other person who doesn't care what people think about her is Rosalie, and that's just because she's clearly <laughs> had a full frontal lobotomy. So Matilda is starting to walk out, but May asks her if she made the dress that she is wearing herself. Uh, she did. It was copied off a Chanel dress from a magazine. She made some changes to it. Long story short, you're hired. <laughs> Good job. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Connie apologizes to the old fat lady <laughs> and then banishes. Oh, fat lady. Blam, blam. <laughs> oh, fat lady. Blam, blam. That lady wasn't that fat. <laughs> but Meryl said she was fat. <laughs> oh, she complained to Connie. Blam, blam. Anyway. Going to the stock room, blam, blam. <laughs> Naked friends with Tilly, blam, blam. That's a very flexible template for telling a story. Meryl isn't racist, blam, blam. At least we don't think so. It's only been one episode. <laughs> so Crab complains to, uh, we think we're going to go with Eyebrow. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't know how I missed an opportunity to make fun of somebody's eyebrows in the first episode. Well, he was only in like a like yeah, one, one scene. Yeah. This guy. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Becky, look at his eyebrows. 
They're so big. They're imposing. They're like Peter Gallagher's eyebrows if, like, he stopped grooming. (laughs) (laughs) No, and just somebody on set was like, "Uh, give me more eyebrow. More. More. Well, that's too much, but we don't have enough budget to fix it. (laughs) We spent it all on the eyebrows. (laughs) (laughs) You call it foolishness. I call it genius. (laughs) Eyebrows are going to save this series. They come. <laughs> so Crab is uh, complaining about a, a stationary display with a bunch of paper uh, made to look like birds and hanging from the ceiling. Feed the birds <laughs> that smack you in the face. Which is Crab's concern. Smack you, <laughs> smack you <laughs> right in the face. They are, in fact, hovering at head level uh, in a place where customers are usually walking. Yeah, and Mr. Crab is even pretty short. Yeah. So <laughs> they're really, like, right down there. This is this is common for visual merchandisers, <laughs> yeah. by the way. Yeah. Like, they sit up there in Connecticut or Delaware <laughs> or one of those tax havens <laughs> where all these companies have their headquarters, and they play around in their fake store, <laughs> and they don't think about us who have to be there and do that stuff (laughs) i need to go wash something (laughs) i get so mad yeah anyway so what i'm saying is rise up proletarian retail (laughs) workers no longer be crushed by the boot of the mission of the visual merchandiser we have nothing to lose but our displays no oh boy don't get in trouble for that as i say (laughs) it's too late it's already october like if you're in a retail job right now you better not quit yeah (sighs) people be so mad at you don't anyway. even ask for time off during a blackout date. <laughs> yeah. Let's try not to think too much about the plight of retail workers as we discuss this show set in an apartment store. Um, I'm going to keep thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. That's, that's fair and unavoidable. So anyway, they take their argument about the display up to Harry, and Harry sides with the eyebrow all the way. It's like, it's a great idea. Look at his eyebrows. How could he be wrong? <laughs> Ever. Uh, then... Kitty comes in to complain about there being a new department on her floor, and he just, like, brushes her off. And uh, so as she leaves, Blankensop and Plunkett, like, burst out of their corner to grab her. In perfect unison. Yeah. Blankensop and Plunkett, together at last. Yeah. Remember when they hated each other? Yes, I do. Uh, but now they're they're united in their love of talking about babies, it would seem. Babies, 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 babies. <laughs> Reference to Spaced. I think Tom is the only person who's going to get it. Most likely. You could probably just, just cut it. <laughs> Yo, cut it. Yeah, and it's a awkward conversation as they uh, seem to think that Kitty... You know, like, Kitty says that she doesn't want babies, and they're like, yeah, but you want babies, right? Well, and it's weird, too, because the tenor of the conversation is such that, like, one or both of them was, like, under the impression that Kitty was infertile or something like that. It's it's weird from the get-go, because yeah. they're excited and wanting to talk about her sister having a baby, and then they're like, oh, well, you know, you can't, so of course you're excited. And <laughs> yeah. she's like, I can, I just choose not to, and they're like, that sounds... Like something from the future. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the future, Harry is introducing a technology department. Ooh. Yes. It will for a future in which no one drinks tea. <laughs> That's right. It will include uh, for sale the televisor, Ooh. 
Yeah. Is that a visor that you wear uh, that teleports? <laughs> no. That sounds like something from the future. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can just get one in Chinatown. <laughs> yeah. Good to know. Uh, yeah. And so crab is all befuddled by this newfangled what's it's and uh like the fact that they'll be taking orders for televisors even though none actually exist yet it's like how there's a tesla store in the mall (laughs) rise up employees of tesla demand on-site models (laughs) yeah and and crab is like but what about the tea emporium he's so cute yeah i wish i had a mr crab i know you're my Mr. Crab. <laughs> yeah. Now all we need is an usherette. <laughs> Fish in your drink, <laughs> Get out. Yeah, you know, you're always saying, Kelly, your bird displays are too low. This idea won't work. And I'm like, it's great. Yeah, that's about it. Yep. Yep. Uh, so yeah, Kitty watches... I've never fallen off of a platform. That's true. Since you've known me. <laughs> that is that is true. It is true. Yeah. Nor have you ever wrecked a car since I've known you. No. Yeah. Yeah. It was really a deer's fault the one time that it yeah, happened. Yeah. That wasn't, uh, you know, a relapse slash gambling uh, related... That wasn't a gambling related car accident. <laughs> This is a gambling car, see? It only goes 77 miles per hour. (laughs) Unless you hit on black. If the speed drops to snake eyes, you're dead. (laughs) I don't know what the hell that is. Yeah, it does. (laughs) I'm sorry, everyone. Let's continue recapping the episode and leave my old-timey gambling car salesman bit to die. It's for the best. (laughs) (laughs) He'll be in a better place. Not on this podcast. May and the Artful Porter uh, give a talk to the sewers, and... They tell them where babies come from. Yes. <laughs> they're all among us. Um, quite they're startled. they're called machinists. Okay, the machinists. Like Christian Bale in that movie where he lost all that weight. Yeah. And was inexplicably unattractive. <laughs> I mean, it was... Shh. Shh, the machinists. Shh. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, they, uh, so they're gonna have to, uh, sew three different sizes for all the clothes that they're making. And May is like, mm, that doesn't seem like enough. Uh, how about one of you machinists take a crack at this? Not me, the fashion designer that's doing it all myself. Um, you know, Tom, they're not paying her to do anything. <laughs> I drew the pictures. She's management. Yeah. Well, that is what's odd to me. I'm like, they're just machinists. Like, why yeah. Why are you asking them? Like, it, I'm very confused about the division of labor. I am as well, but I've never worked in a sweatshop, so... Mm, good point. Yeah. Ah, give it time. <laughs> yeah, since you've known me. You work in a very uh, ageist industry. That is true. Look out. Uh, <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, someday they'll be like an aged software developers of America. You can join that. <laughs> You'll hang out and talk about basic. <laughs> That'll be nice. <laughs> it does sound restful. <laughs> it does. Um, so yeah, the machinists, like, they all start, like, grabbing random hunks of cloth and, like, muttering. Yeah, because, like, the things that she has asked them don't appear to have anything to do with the mutterings and the grabbing of things. Like, <laughs> right. I'm like they're just grabbing a... Look, this was just clearly a day when the director had had it up to here with the extras. <laughs> it was like, you know what? 
you're so smart. You do your own blocking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I love grabbing fabrics. Oh! <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I like that character. I don't know. Oh! <laughs> Uh, Matilda, it is clear, has some kind of idea, so May asks her what it is, and then all the other machinists, like, scoff and laugh as she describes it. Even Even though it's a perfectly logical solution. Right. Like, I know the point is that they're all being set up to be racist. Right. But this isn't how racism works. The thing they do later, that's how racism works. Yes. I mean, like... They wouldn't be scoffing in the way that they're scoffing. They would be like being like, mm, like teacher's pet. Like, yeah. Mm, 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 yeah. Man. I mean, like, who, would... does, who does she think she is? But they're just like, what? This perfectly logical solution to this problem is so stupid. Well, the director spent half an hour arguing with him on that. And that's when he gave up. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You think you're so good at scoffing? Do it your way. <laughs> I love scoffing. <laughs> I'll scoff who I want. Yeah, so uh, May says, great, that's what we'll do. Now let's get back to work, this time with Gusto. Which, what were they doing before? Right. Were they were they just lollygagging? Right. We didn't see what they were doing before. <laughs> Might have had plenty of Gusto for all you'd notice. Besides, I mean, isn't that part of the Selfridge hiring process? If you don't have Gusto, you don't get the job. <laughs> that's a good point. They built that city on Gusto. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, all the issues like, can we keep being racist? It makes us work harder. Ah! I feel like that's not a very consistent character yet. Yeah. Well. I'm sorry I failed you. (laughs) We'll be fine, Kelly. I assure you. We might be. But what about the listeners, Tom? (laughs) As Crab complains to Grove about the technology department, and Grove is very tired this is his theme this episode is that he's tired well he's ginger deficient <laughs> gingers need a steady stream of ginger to the blood or else they get all peckish so crab goes in or grove rather goes into harry uh and is about to ask him for some time off due to his ginger deficiency <laughs> but just as he's about to ask harry apparently feels a great disturbance in the force <laughs> Like a thousand voices all crying out at once. Please don't make us watch the Dolly Sisters. <laughs> That's probably blow up the planet if you must. <laughs> it's a sacrifice we are all willing to make. We talked about it. <laughs> it was unanimous. <laughs> so Grove decides that he won't take time off to or even ask or even ask or say hey speaking of wincing (laughs) speaking of people who really shouldn't be working uh also speaking just like uh all these people identify too strongly with mr selfridge yeah like you're not doing him any favors by working yourself to the bone yeah there's no time off for gingers in the uk though (laughs) did you know that (laughs) Yeah, they, uh, well, you know, they all got shut out of the union, so mm-hmm. one yep. thing led to another. Yeah. It was, uh, ginger Brexit. <laughs> you know, like gingerbread, but ginger Brexit. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to pull that one out, I'll be honest. No, but that actually, it, it came off. Yep, it worked out. <laughs> uh, at Selfridge House, Ma lectures Harry, uh, saying that the fall was a lesson that he should learn from. She says that 
about everything? Harry, this brisket is the lesson you should learn from. Harry, the dying embers of this fire are a lesson you should learn from. Yeah, the lesson is stop gambling and whoring, damn it. <laughs> and, like, don't talk to your mom if you're not going to listen to her. Yeah. Just let her hang out with that kid. Yeah, they seem to get along. Uh, she also defends Nunu Gordon, uh, who... To but be- not his mustache, notably. No- <laughs> That's right. Mustache very le- much left unmentioned. <laughs> That's just, you know... That's just one of those things. There's certain things in families where just everybody knows. You don't bring it up. That's true about facial hair. Yeah. Like bad facial hair. People are like, let's just ignore it. Maybe it'll go away. (laughs) Except for me, when I was a child and my dad grew a beard and I kissed him goodnight, I was like, "Uh, you need to shave. And he was like, I'm growing out my beard. And I like threw a tantrum. (laughs) I was a great kid. Real, real solid. Real sense of proportion. In my emotional reactions to things. (laughs) So Harry shows the press around the new tech department, and it's a a whole day with the press. He promises them floozies later. Listen, I know this is real boring, but there's (laughs) going to be some floozies later that are (laughs) handpicked. Fresh off the floozy farm. (laughs) And he also promises a live radio broadcast with a special guest. (gasps) Is it Jesus? Can you imagine if Jesus came back? Mr. Selfridge would be like, Jesus, Jesus Christ, Harry Selfridge, great to meet you. Listen, I'm doing a display. Uh, you're just in time for Christmas. This is perfect. There's going to be some floozies. I know uh, I read your biography. You like a floozy, eh? Jesus, do you have any comment? I'm back and I'm ready to shop. <laughs> Let's go shopping! <laughs> Jesus isn't the only thing that came back from the dead. That lady. Yes, my child. Let us go shopping. (laughs) Oh, two things that'll never stop being funny. People falling off of things and Jesus. In entertainment news, listenership to the palm court dropped off drastically. After one of the co-hosts proclaimed Jesus to be, quote, always funny, end quote. Come on, that dude's hilarious. Love uh, thy neighbor. <laughs> As if. At press time, we're still researching why we bothered to cover this story. <laughs> Back to you, Jim. Jim? Anybody seen Jim? For the next installment in Highly Unlikely News, tune into the next week's Palm Court. It's a bit of vertical integration. That's right. It's all the rage. May complains to Harry about the floozies and uh, their tardiness. Mm-hmm. Nothing worse than a tardy floozy. <laughs> well, a floozy with a clap. <laughs> yeah, that's actually very true. Uh, she also gets flowers from Jimmy Dillon. Ooh. Yeah. She thinks they're from Harry. Yeah. And Harry's like, oh, no, I'm not that. I don't think about people. Yeah. You have me confused with uh, with uh, somebody. Uh, Jesus, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> These ready-to-wear robes fit like a dream. <laughs> I'd like to turn some water into tea, if that's all right. <laughs> Tea's in the past, Jesus. Check out this televisor. Uh, so the floozies arrive and quip. God, I hate them so much. <laughs> Every time they show up, I'm like, when will they be gone? Yeah. So, you know, they're outside. The reporters are like, hey, do you drink and fuck? And they're like, we sure do. And then they <laughs> head on in. 
They stayed up all night. <laughs> yes. That's how they say it. Right. Uh, they greet Harry upstairs. Uh, Plunkett is not amused. I'm with her. Yeah. Uh, Plunkett, no. It's one thing of Harry's boning floozies and giving them a charge account. Right. It's entirely something else when he's like, oh, yeah, come in and do all this. Harry just doesn't have healthy boundaries. He really I know we've doesn't. discussed this yeah. in the past, but. Yeah. Uh, the floozies then go on to, like, sexually harass Crab. Mm-hmm. Like, they smack his butt. They're, like, all over him. And he is... One of them... Sp- they're drinking champagne yes. in the elevator. This, this whole time, they've been carrying around an open bottle and glasses of champagne. So one of them spills on her boobs, and Mr. Crab is trying to be chivalrous. Mm-hmm. But then he realizes he can't be chivalrous and touch her boob. And they, like, kiss him and stuff. And then Blankensop victim shames him. Yeah. She's like, Mr. Crab. And he's like, I'm literally just doing my job. Yeah. Which was to deliver these floozies to the palm court, which I have done. And now I'm going to take a bath in acid. <laughs> if I was running for office, I would run on an anti-Dolly Sisters platform. <laughs> in political news today. <laughs> Goodbye, Dolly. <laughs> Sisters, that is. Notable crackpot Kelly Anakin <laughs> has declared herself anti-Dolly Sisters. The Dolly Sisters, of course, being a pair of vaudeville performers popular in the 20s. They have been dead for many decades. Back to you, Jim. Is Jim still not back? <laughs> in entertainment news, rumors persist that this news show is about to be canceled. <laughs> we'll keep you posted. <laughs> Unless, of course, we're canceled. <laughs> I would watch that news show. It sounds like they got a real sense of meta-narrative. <laughs> they do. Uh, so we see the fashion show, which is going fine for the pre-floozy part. Uh, then May grudgingly introduces the Dolly sisters who and like nobody else is feeling May's dislike of them well yeah. there are some some women leave in the middle of it but. right well because they first they just she's describing the dresses and they which are for the record the ugliest dresses I have ever seen they're in my life <laughs> they're and I read go fuck yourself yeah no they're real ugly they're like they're like if that St. Patrick's Day massacre dress was like even worse. Was even worse it's and like, was being like worn. They're like a bathrobe, and, and then they're wearing like purple purple stockings. stockings yeah, uh, it's just Clash City. Yeah, uh, but anyway, they do their you know up and down the runway, and they're doing you know little you know vaudeville dancey type stuff. But Ooh, it's all fine. So horrible. And May is like, okay, that went fine. Let's move on. And then they're like, oh. How easy are these to take on and off? Let's find out. And they go do this whole bit where they take their dresses off behind screens and like switch. Yeah, while they're like kicking their legs out, and yeah. some people are like, ooh, and other people are like, bah, 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 bah. yeah. So some, several of them are like, mm, I'm going to leave now. And yeah, report this to my parish. <laughs> the machinists are gossiping about Meryl for whatever reason. because I like gossip. Meryl. <laughs> Uh, uh, an artful porter announces that things are going well, and if they keep going well, they will. She will uh, take them to tea. Uh, left implicit is the idea that this is uh, white people tea. Yeah, except that it's like not. I don't think it was necessarily made clear to Tilly. Right. Like, it was. Yeah. Because like she says that, and Tilly's also like, "Okay, cool. Yeah, that'll be fun." 
And then we cut back to the artful porter whose face gets all twisted and racist. Yeah. Which, man, come on. Why you got a character assassinating the artful porter? I know. I know no one involved in this show gives a shit that we do this <laughs> podcast. But come on. She was so plucky and fun. She was now so plucky. Now she's just racist? Yeah. Well, you know, let's not forget that there's every chance that uh, people are going to learn to not be racist by the end of this season. Uh, okay. We'll see. Yeah. In my experience, people aren't good at that. Right. I'm not saying that that would be the best artistic choice for that very reason. I'm just saying... There's an equally good chance that somebody's going to set Tilly's hair on fire and say it was an accident. Yeah. Well, it could... I mean, both those things could happen. Eventually, they'll be like, you know what? I'm never going to burn black people again. (laughs) Oh, my God. Let's move on. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. And to be... We will see how this racism theme plays out because it's just barely started on in this episode, so... We see the aforementioned radio broadcast, and Harry introduces, uh, we see the family all listening uh, to the radio. Then he brings on Alberta Hunter. <gasps> Yay! Yes. She's so much prettier than the Dolly sisters. Yeah. And she has a cool star comb in her hair. Mm-hmm. And so she sings about Harlem. Which I knew all about because I just watched Luke Cage. Yeah. So congratulations. Thank you. You are now a Harlem expert. I'm not, actually. <laughs> I watched that show, and I was like, damn, I'm white. <laughs> I didn't even know who Jeffrey Canada was. I assumed he was a Marvel character. <laughs> you know, they have Captain America, Jeffrey Canada. You see my confusion? I do, no, I do like that. It's just like, you're not in the military. No, just Jeffrey Canada. That's yeah. all. Well, everybody knows in the Marvel Universe it's Captain America, Jeffrey Canada, and Miguel Mexico. <laughs> They're the North American Avengers. Right. They've started working together ever since NAFTA was signed. <laughs> You're always good for a nap, joke, Tom. Uh, it's always popular. <laughs> Ratings on the unpopular Palm Court podcast fell after an ill-timed NAFTA reference. Respondents to a survey said, what is the Palm Court? What's NAFTA? And C, get off my lawn. Why did I not include A and B before the first two options? Great question. For our answer, let's throw it back to Jim. Jim? Guys, I'm getting worried about Jim. Uh, So we see Matilda and Meryl chat a bit in the stockroom, and Meryl is apparently not racist, even though her father seemed a, a, a little bit... Oh, yeah. Like, as soon as Tilly walked in, he was like, uh... Oh, I'm sorry. Whites only was implied? Yeah. We thought... We, we just assumed. Yeah. We thought we could get away without putting that in there. But I guess, huh, the times they are a-changing. <laughs> uh, but well, the main thing we learn in this scene is that Matilda goes by Tilly. Mm-hmm. Which I've been calling her because right. I already knew that. Yeah, I understand. I just, I've been keeping notes with the knowledge I had at the time. I understand, Tom. You're a much better person than me. <laughs> sure. We're all aware. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then uh, we cut to the end of Alberta's Hunter's song, uh, then cut back down to the sewing room, and Tilly sees it empty and realizes that she's been ditched. Yeah, and I mean, it seems like she went in to get beads, like as if she was sent. Right to get them by her supervisor and then she comes back and it's like oh okay yeah so good job white people of the past yeah jk you did a bad job (laughs) 
Uh, Plunkett pulls Kitty aside on the shop floor and apologizes to her. As well she should. As well she although should. Although it seems not appropriate for the time period. <laughs> well, right. But she does sincerely apologize. She says that, uh, she says that she was engaged at one time, but her fiance died in the Boer War. Yeah. Well, she says South Africa. And I was like, ah, the Boer War. And Kitty says, the Boer War. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm well aware of that. <laughs> you act like we haven't been doing this podcast <laughs> forever. Right. We've been doing this podcast forever. Yeah. We all know where Bates got drunk. <laughs> No, no, no. It's where he got shot or a shrapnel exploded on him. <laughs> I think he was drunk there, too, though. Like, that was... He I'd... couldn't have been that drunk or Lord Grantham never would have hired him. Yeah, I suppose that's true. He got drunk after it. <laughs> we can save all that for the inevitable Downton Abbey prequel series. <laughs> they want to make it. I know. I'd much rather see the sequel leading up to World War II. Yeah, for sure. Anyway. See which cousins fall in love. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Plunkett just talks about the, you know, regret she felt when she realized she was never going to have any kids. And what the thing that bothered us and continues to bother us is, like, what is Kitty thinking through all this thing? Yeah, because, well, and we'll get to it more in yeah. the next Kitty scene. But it's like, why, why does this even have to be a discussion? Yeah. Why can't you just be like, nope, don't want kids, and it's not part of this series that we discuss it? <laughs> right. Agreed. But we will see. This this TV show is being a real blank and stuff. Uh, so Harry shows Nunu Gordon into his office and apologizes to him for uh, you know getting mad by the sea. Uh, Nunu Gordon says that Harry doesn't trust him. Uh, by the sea, Nunu Gordon, with your mustache. <laughs> He says that Harry doesn't trust him ever since he married Fake Doris. And Harry says, "No, I stopped trusting you when he grew that mustache." New Gordon was like, oh, well, that's fair. <laughs> I rescind all of my... <laughs> uh, and Nuno Gordon says he has always just been... Tra- in, in terms of business, he's always just tried to follow Harry's footsteps. And Harry's like, you can't. Uh, but then he says that he does trust Nunu Gordon. But I don't believe him. Yeah. And, and also, this, like, talk, like, this heart-to-heart lasts 30 seconds. Yeah. And it's like, maybe your relationship is strained because you never make time for your son. Right. And all he's been, he's just been called off to, like, see Jimmy Dillon. Which, he's uggo. <laughs> like, Nunu Gordon has a terrible mustache. Yes. Granted. This is well established. <laughs> but, ugh, Jimmy Dillon. Ugh. He greets Harry in the palm court. And He's taking off these glasses and it's like, <laughs> these glasses make me look intelligent. <laughs> That's true. They are. No, they don't, Jimmy Dillon. You're an uggo. You were born an uggo. You'll die an uggo. You'll be an uggo for life. Yeah, but they are pretty funny like 50s nerd glasses. <laughs> Which is weird because this is taking place in the 20s. I know, but Jimmy Dillon is ahead of the times. <clears throat> he asks Harry why they're greeting why they're meeting in the palm court as opposed to Harry's club speculating that he Jimmy Dillon would not be allowed in said club and uh Harry's like uh you would get in granted only because you were with me mm-hmm. you know and uh, also Harry's like I like to meet here which is true like, yeah i i didn't even know that he, i guess he went to a club to meet with that uh Wednesday Adams guy yeah yeah although the, i mean yeah anyway uh he does like meeting in the palm court and he says that when he got to London, he was an outsider, 
uh, and attempts to parallel his being an American uh, and in trade with Jimmy Dillon being non-white and from a country that was, you know... A colony. And it's, it's still, still is at yeah. that point, yeah. Yeah, so um, that's a little white-splainy of him. Mm-hmm. I invented white splaining. <laughs> We're going to put ads out in all the papers. <laughs> the first store. <laughs> the first store on Oxford Street to <laughs> offer white splaining. If you're a minority, we promise we will condescendingly explain to you why we understand your problems. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it would be an update uh, over most stores' policies, which is if you come to the store and you're a minority, we will have you shown out. Mm-hmm. So... Anyway, Jimmy Dillon first came to Selfridges when he first came to London, which is when he was six years old. Uh, and he asked his mother, I assume, who lived there because it must be a prince because it was so great. And, you know, obviously the, nobody lived there. It was a store. Uh, Harry asked him what he bought and he said a clockwork train. And Harry was like, ah, oh, yeah, great stellar. Still does good business. And then that's just sort of the scene. Well, then he adds, not as popular as our tumbling down the stairs car. <laughs> Number one for a decade and counting. <laughs> That's right. You can't use the clockwork train to make a real train crash. So <laughs> <laughs> It's like that Twilight Zone where that kid can like make things happen with his mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At Mustache House, uh, Kitty... And I don't know why it struck me, but I really liked the dress she was wearing in terms of, like, a fancy at-home dress. Oh, the crushed blue. I didn't yeah. like the cut of it, but I liked the color. Yeah. That's probably, mainly it's probably just that that's a mm-hmm. color I like. Um, she uh, makes Mustache put down what he's working on by saying that, you know, uh, you know, we said we didn't want babies. And he's like, ugh. He's like, Burr! <laughs> 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 And she says that she still doesn't, but it seems like most women do. Uh, but they basically, you know, just restate the fact that they don't want to and they like money and working and all these things. And, and that's great. And he leaves the room and the scene should end right. before we see this like flicker of uncertainty. And again, Amy Beth, what's her name? Mm-hmm. Hanson? Yeah. <sighs> Sorry, Amy Beth. Uh, she's so great in this role because you just see this just uncertainty on her face but right. i'm like we don't need the uncertainty yeah we Nothing don't want in it in the subtext suggests that this should be a thing yeah Ugh. yeah uh so may complains to harry about the floozies ruining her fashion show and says that if he messes with her department like that one more time she'll be out so she heads out and then floozy number one comes in uh the Ro- tolerable floozy i think rosie yeah. yeah rosie and jenny i think are their names okay uh, and she asks Harry out for, uh, Baccarat and, uh, non-conjugal sex. And he says, you're hired! <laughs> right. Well, he says something about how he almost died a week ago, and it really makes you think, and Floozy One is like, uh, but does it though? Yeah. And he was like, oh wait, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gambling and sex, actually. I'm rich, bitch! <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I don't have to think! That sounds great. <laughs> People uh, do aspire to richness. Mm-hmm. We see Jimmy Dillon getting dressed, and then like he's hanging out with May at his his place. This was so unclear. Well, because May May showed up, I guess, at his house or yeah. wherever he's staying to say thank you for the flowers, and then they eye fuck for a while, and then he asks her up for a drink. Yeah. So yeah, 
Uh, anyway, she says she wants to make it clear that she's had two husbands and she doesn't want a third. And Jimmy Dillon's like, what do you want? And then they non-verbally communicate for a while that, yes, the answer is she wants to have sex with him. Which, okay, whatever. Like, he makes Fat Thomas look like a cat. <laughs> uh you know, I think it just depends on your taste. I think somebody, you know, I, I think it's not unreasonable to think that somebody would find him attractive, even if you don't. Um, Tom, <laughs> the first rule of attractiveness is do I think they're attractive? <laughs> if not, then they're not attractive. Yeah, I'll, I'll update my books. My decisions are final. <laughs> Felicity Jones, not attractive. <laughs> wow. Done. Yeah. Your mom, not attractive. <laughs> so Harry gets home. James Earl Jones. <laughs> Wood smash. (laughs) (laughs) And he hears something from the sitting room or whatever, and it's the uh, record that is run down, but the needle has not been taken off. So he takes it off, and he sees Ma there asleep. (gasps) Or is she? She is not. She is dead. He's like, Ma! Ma! Don't leave me here! All the good actors are gone! My mercury poisoning drove them away! Don't leave me here with Rosalie <laughs> and that kid. Yeah. So looks like that's it for Ma. We enjoyed her well enough, but every scene was the same with her. R.I.P. Ma. Yeah. Good job. Your American accent was tolerable. Yes, it was, to be fair. Uh, and that brings us to the Selfie Awards. <laughs> <laughs> that's about. This, this is the Selfie Awards fanfare. It's actually the theme song for that new show. <laughs> <laughs> Jim's the one who plants the trumpet. He's back. In pod form. <laughs> he doesn't play it well, but he plays it. <laughs> Look, they've got a very low budget. <laughs> First off, we've got the Nailing It Award. Uh, which we're going to give to Tilly. Yeah. Uh, despite some of the clunkiness surrounding her, <laughs> yeah. uh, she's just doing great. Yeah. She she's got getting, the- she's getting a job, solving uh, complex uh, clothing design problems. Yeah. Getting beads when asked. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, she's having a heck of a lot better first week or so than uh, Meryl. Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah. Yeah, and Meryl didn't even get asked not to go somewhere because she's, uh, you know, ginger. Right, so. yeah. Next up, we have the Window Worthy Award, which goes to... The Paper Bird Display, which I liked fine. I, you know, its placement may or may not have been an issue, but just aesthetically... Yeah, that's an award that's really kind of outlived its namesake. Yeah. To well, an extent, because it's just like... They're never going to spend as much time with eyebrow as we did with uh, Mr. Leclerc. Yeah, it's true. So we'll see uh, how things develop and whether or not we want to continue spending 30 seconds trying to come up with a winner (laughs) of that award. (laughs) Ah, not so bad. Uh, Which brings us to uh, an award that I don't think we'll be getting rid of, the Stick Poke. And the Stick Poke Award goes to... Floozy's harassing crap. That was just... That was beyond the poke. Yes. That was like... (laughs) It was just... It was too much. The stick poking kid would be like, that's a bit much! (laughs) And then finally... Thank God Tom's reading his own handwriting here. The eyeliner scale of eyeliner. (laughs) And thus, we went with pencil this week. Purely... Because of the gravitas of ending an episode with Ma's death. Like, really, still very juvenile. Yeah. But uh, the next episode looks good. It actually kind of does. We can't figure out why we didn't like it before. Yeah. Like, I think think before we were excessively annoyed about what was going on with Kitty, for one thing. Yeah, we were. Um, 
I, I'm, I'm sure that was at least a factor. But anyway, I mean, we're here now. We're yeah, going with we're it. We're doing so it, we're going to find out. We're making it right. That's right. <laughs> All right. So uh, until next time, taught you about...